1: today. Hey, math fans, Jason Marshall, Math Dude here with your weekly dose of quick and dirty tips to make math easier. If you've been following along the past few months, you've probably noticed that I'm a big fan of thinking about things. Some people might say I like to overthink things, but I think they're crazy. I mean, can you really overthink something? Actually, I'd have to say yes. When I was a graduate student, my thesis advisor used to warn me against the dangers of polishing the cannonball. After a few weeks of perfecting the paper I was writing or the code I was developing, I would realize that he was right. My cannonball was good enough. After all, an ugly cannonball is still a pretty effective cannonball. It was good advice, and I still think about it often as I'm thinking about things, so I'm generally aware of when I'm steering myself into over-polishing mode. And I can say that we are definitely not heading down that road, because when it comes to the basic arithmetic operations—addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division— most people never really finish even forming their cannonball, and very few ever get to the stage of polishing it. Which is why it's time to continue down our meandering pathway and spend a little more time thinking about how to think about the meaning of multiplication. Because there's still a healthy bit of healthy polishing to do. So let's get started. Last time as we began thinking about the meaning of multiplication, we conveniently ignored the existence of roughly half the normal everyday numbers in existence, namely negative numbers. What happens when you multiply a negative number by a positive number or by another negative number? How should you think about the meaning of these things? Well, let's think about it. For my money, the easiest way to picture what happens when you multiply a positive number by a negative number is to imagine somehow flipping a number from the positive side of the number line over to the negative side of the number line. You can imagine this flipping as a sort of rotation up and over from one side of the number line to the other. If you'd like to see a picture of what I'm talking about, check out the web article version of the podcast. That's at quickanddirtytips.com mathdude. Keep in mind, though, that in this view of things, we're really talking about more of a flip through the origin rather than a rotation, since there's nowhere to actually rotate through. After all, the number line is a line. There's no above or below. No matter how you choose to picture it in your head, the key point is that we end up on the opposite side of the number line relative to the location of zero. For example, imagine that we've multiplied, say, 6 by negative 1 to end up at negative 6 on the other side of the number line. Now, what would happen if we then multiply this result, negative 6, by another negative number, say negative 1 again? Well, multiplying by another negative number just once again flips everything across or around or through the origin of the number line. So negative 6 gets flipped around when we multiply it by negative 1, so that it ends up right back where it started from at positive 6. And thus, we've stumbled upon the origin of the saying that is often recited but rarely understood – A negative times a negative is a positive. Yes, this statement is true, but the question that everybody should ask themselves is, why is it true? And now, using the picture we've just developed, you have a way to think about this and answer it for yourself. Today. Of course, just like every good arithmetic operator, we're not stuck doing multiplication on integers alone. Variables are quite happy to play the game too. Using the sort of thinking we developed last time in which multiplication is viewed as a kind of stretching... We see that when we multiply the variables x and y, as in x times y, what we're really doing is stretching or scaling y so that it's x times as large as it was to begin with. If you think about it, you'll see that this means that x times y just represents the area of the rectangle that has sides that are x and y units long. Again, if you'd like to see some pictures demonstrating these ideas, check out quickanddirtytips.com mathdude. Now, it shouldn't come as much of a surprise that we can also multiply variables by themselves, not just other variables. When we multiply a number by itself, we square the number. And when we multiply a variable by itself, we square the variable. What shape in our way of thinking about things does this action create? Again, it should not come as a surprise that in our way of viewing multiplication, we get a square, hence the term squared. Now, if you are really on top of things, you may have already asked yourself, what happens when we try to multiply more than two variables? The easy answer is that everything works exactly as you'd expect it to, and you end up with, say, x times y times z. Fair enough, but how can you picture the meaning of this? Well, as we've seen time and time again, we can picture the meaning of multiplying a pair of variables in terms of a rectangle created by stretching a stack of boxes. And now we can extend this idea further to deal with a third variable. When we multiply our original two variables by this new third variable, let's call it z, we simply stretch the entire two-dimensional rectangle formed from the first multiplication and create a three-dimensional stack of rectangles. If we actually plug in numbers for x, y, and z, we end up with a number that's equal to the total number of squares in our stack. That's the meaning of x times y times z. It's the volume of the three-dimensional stack. It's important to know that variables are adventurous creatures. They're really not afraid of anything. And that means that not only can we multiply x, y, and z... We can multiply any combination of these or anything else that strikes our fancy. And that includes multiplying x by itself, 3, 4, 5, or any other number of times. If we multiply x times x times x, we get a cube, hence the origin of the term cubed. Just in case you don't see where the cube comes from, remember that when we multiply x times x times x, we are effectively stretching an x times x square up to a height of x, which gives us our cube. And it is a nice, shiny, well-polished cube, if I do say so myself. Come to think of it, if we polish it any more, we run the risk of accidentally rounding off its edges and turning it into a cannonball. In fact, I think I hear the wise words of my advisor echoing back into my head, letting me know that this is a perfect place to stop polishing and to start enjoying the fact that we now truly understand the meaning of multiplication. Okay, that's all the math we have time for today. For more fun with math, please check out my book, The Math Dude's Quick and Dirty Guide to Algebra. And be sure to check out the huge catalog of the other 278 Math Dude episodes. They're all available at quickanddirtytips.com mathdude and through your favorite podcast app. Until next time, this is Jason Marshall with The Math Dude's Quick and Dirty Tips to make math easier. Thanks for listening, math fans.